it's such an honor to be back right here at Church 1132. This feels like family uh, right here. I feel like I'm Theo Chris. I'm like Uncle Chris to some around here. Um, you know, the truth is this has been such a deep well for a long time, digging and digging and just what God keeps unpacking and really trusting this church with is amazing. He's trusted you with so many wins, with so much breakthrough, not just for this region, but for the city. He's also trusted you with a bit of trouble. And uh, we don't always celebrate, there's no amens on that, um, but there's, you, you don't always get that, but a lot of times we feel like God's testing me with trouble. No, he's trusting you with trouble, and there, uh, there's a big difference. And I just have found that some of the best leaders know how to go through storms, through struggle, through, through challenges, through wins, through success, and they stay absolutely the same. And I think that's true of Pastor Dustin and Pastor Jamie Bates. Come on, do you love your lead pastors? who are absolutely phenomenal leaders. Um, I have valued their friendship, one of my best friends in the world, and uh, valued their friendship, valued their voice. Uh, uh, I have, uh, we have laughed, we have cried, we have prayed, we have, I'm telling you, there has been so much, and I can tell you the man and the message are absolutely the, sh- uh, the same. So if you have never been to this church, and you're like, I'm looking for a church home, I'm, I'm here to tell you, welcome home. Yeah. W- welcome home. This is a good church. Come on, have me proud to be at Church 1132. This is a good church. But um, I, uh, I, I have been sent to tell you hi for my wife. I forgot to do that uh, last time. There was a, a great conversation uh, about that. And so um, she told me to tell you hi. And our four beautiful kids, uh, uh, they love you guys. They love this church. And uh, we're so sad that they couldn't come with me. But I'm excited to be here because you guys are in the middle of something that I feel is such, these are like marching orders to me, presence over everything. Come on, so that's so there's so much authority in it. Presence over everything. What I, what I love about uh, where we're at in today's age, especially after the last 18 months, is there's no experts anymore. Like in anything. Like nothing. Like there's no experts anymore because we've never been here before. Because we've never lived in post-climates like we're living in. Every model's been disrupted, right? The education model, the business model, the church model, the economic, everything. There's no experts anymore. And so what we have always needed is what we've always needed, and that is his presence guiding us. We needed that pillar of fire by night, that cloud by day, that voice that's as subtle as a whisper and as loud as a raging fire. Come on, we need presence over everything. And in a world where we don't have experts, where we don't have influencers, but we have a lot of content, we need presence over everything. Are you with me? And I want to just come in and, and align myself with this, this theme over the house uh, and over the campuses, uh, if you will, for, the, for this time, for this, set, this service. I, I just have really been moved by the words of this life message for me. This has been something that God has reminded me of, something that God's pursued in me. But um, I, I, I really want to unpack this, and we're going gonna to read a lot of Bible today. We're going we gonna to read a lot of a lot of scripture today. That's like, and I'm not going to apologize for it, okay? I, like, I'm, I'm sorry. We came to church. We're going to read the Bible, okay? Um, like, I'm t- like, that's like going to Chick-fil-A and them saying, sorry, we only serve chicken. You, you know what I'm saying? Or, or going to Crumble Cooking and like, we only have cookies. Come on, worship team, somewhere around here. I've seen those, those you guys eating Crumble Cookies like it's water. I, godly, I'm telling you, but I, I've had a few of my own. Feels pretty good. Um, but I just really sense that God wants to really t- take us deeper in the theme of this uh, right here. So we're going to, I don't know when we're going to have appetizers or dessert or anything else. So just enjoy your meal this morning. All right. But are you ready for the word? Yeah. No, come on church. Are you ready for the word? Yeah. 
I believe that. I believe that. All right. To go to Luke 3.16. Turn on your Bible and go to Luke 3.16. Luke, the third chapter, verse 16. Luke, yes, I know what generation we live in. I've been saying that for 10 years, John. Turn on your Bible, please. Luke 3.16. Um, I, I think John 3.16 is the most known verse in all the world, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I think it's the most powerful verse. There's so much in it. But I also think Luke 3.16 is just as important because this, this is John the Baptist uh, uh, speaking here about Jesus. And you have to understand where John's at. This is John the man, Baptist. He's John the stinking Baptist. I mean, John didn't play no games. He's about that life. I'm telling you, John, John was a disruptor. John was a troublemaker in the godly sense. John broke all the rules. John was built different. John, John, John could call out kings and queens. His altar calls didn't be like, raise your hand if you need Jesus. He's going to touch your life. His altar calls were like, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. Who warned you about the judgment that's coming on your life? I'm like, can you imagine? He's not American, that's for sure. John is not American, right? John the Baptist is having this move of God, and he is in the desert in the middle of nowhere. This man's dressed in camel hair and a leather belt. I mean, that's just raw, right? That, that's, that's different than Zara, okay? And then this man is eating wild honey and locusts. That's a keto diet you've never seen before in your life, right? I mean, he is, John is hardcore, yet the hand of God is on him, as he would be a prophetic voice preparing the way for Jesus. And people are coming from out of nowhere and all over to see John. So people are thinking, John's the Messiah. He's the, the, the sent one. He's got to be the one. He's got all this influence, all this authority, all this revelation. He must be the one. You know, the Christian TMZ of the day is messing it up. And so now John hears the rumors. And so now he's going to set the record straight. And this is what he says here. John, verse, or Luke, excuse me, verse 3. No, Luke 3, verse 16. Says John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the one of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Watch this, and help me out. Fire. Come on, church, help me out. Fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I myself have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the gift of speaking in tongues. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But what I very rarely hear is this baptism of fire. We don't normally talk about the baptism of fire. We, it, it, probably because we don't have a lot of revelation on it. Because really, anytime you see fire in the Bible, you could put the word Jesus or you could put the word God in there. It would mean the same thing. If you looked at the baptism of fire, a lot of times we think fire is to be very uh, emotional. You know, I grew up in Hispanic church. Come on, I see a lot of caramel in the room. Come on, caramel. Talk to me. Yep, all two of you are excited about me. Hello. All right. And we got some chocolate. Come on, chocolate. Make some noise. Yeah. And we love some chocolate, right? And we got a lot of whipped cream up in this room, too. So this is great. We all won big Sunday. Everybody got a sweet tooth in here. All right. But. I can tell you, growing up in a Hispanic church, right, I'm telling you, there was one word that sister so-and-so came over with her dragon breath and screamed over your life. And she shook while she did it. The fuego, the fuego, the fuego de Dios, the fuego. And then she would scream this at you, and you would be hit by something. It wasn't the anointing, but it was something else. But that word, we thought fuego, fire, that's fire in Mexican, fire was like, 
passion. It was emotion. It was, it was hype. That is not the baptism of fire. You know what the baptism of fire is? It's to have a, it's a separating baptism. It is to have a passionate desire for him and him alone. That he has no other, there's no competing lovers in your life. There's no competing attention in your life. There's no distractions. He sits on a level called the throne, the altar of your heart, all on his own. And he doesn't get, he, you never push something or someone past that. And this is what's so interesting about the baptism of fire. Because when you start, start going through a baptism of fire, things will change. People will come and people will go. You don't get to bring everyone with you on the other side of this fire. I'm going to help you out. Come on, let's be honest. You remember B.C., come on, before Christ, right? You could find 25 people to go to the club with, right? The whole little TikTok thing, sun goes down, right? Like you, you could find 25 people to go to the club with, but you couldn't find one person to go to church with. Go through the fire, you can find 25 people to go to church with. You can't find somebody to go to the club with because your appetites have changed, your desires have changed, right? You could find 10 people to go get drunk and high with before Christ, but you can find one person to pray you through. But you went through that fire. God's love was tested and proven in your life. Come on, anybody know what it's like for him to reach down and touch your life? And everything changed. This is the baptism fire, is to have a passionate desire for him. Let's pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ that you would erupt your presence and increase the awareness of your presence in this room. In homes that are represented, in workplaces that are represented, in families that are represented. I speak to the atmosphere and the climates over your life. And I say that you are full of faith. You are full of hope. You are full of peace. You are full of joy. And I come against every limit, every restriction, every man-made tradition, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment. And I break it right now in Jesus' name. I call every man and I call every woman into their season. I call them into their element. Pull them in closer to your presence. We give us you, God. Give us more of you. Increase our appetite. Increase our desire. We're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to let you cut things away. Make room for the new, God, that you would increase in every way in this moment in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. 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 If you're taking notes, I surely hope that you are. I want to speak from this title of the message called Fueled for Life. Fueled for life. I'm not talking about a Tesla. I'm talking about being fueled for life. Sustainability. Things that will outlast culture. It'll outlast storms. It'll outlast politics. It'll outlast economies. It'll outlast legacies, kings and queens. I'm talking about things that will fuel, fuel you so well that it doesn't matter what opposition, what resistance, or even what comes against you, you will have enough to keep the same momentum, if not keep going. And that, my friend, is presence over everything. I, 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 I'm talking about being fueled for life. I remember one time, I was at my grandfather's uh, uh, farm, and my, um, I, I know I don't look like I grew up on a farm, thank you, uh, but um, I, I, my mom was adopted by a couple that started a home for abused, neglected kids. She was the first kid in this home, and so growing up, I referred to these uh, individuals as grandma and grandpa, and so they still are that to me, even though they're not blood, they might as well be. And my grandfather, he had a love for horses, loved horses, and his favorite horse was named Bugsy. That's the dumbest name I have ever thought. I even thought that as a kid. I'm like, why are you naming the horse bug? That's like naming the chihuahua elephant. I mean, like, or the hamster rhino. You know, it just doesn't make any sense, right? 
And so his favorite horse was Bugsy. And when I would go visit on the weekends with my mother, I would act my job. He would let me go and, and, and put water in the 50-gallon drum that the horse would drink from. And he would let me put uh, feed that hay in, in, in the trough. And I remember one night, I'm going right, be, uh, right at the end of the evening, and, and I remember I'm putting water in this 50-gallon drum, and I may have put the water a little too far. I can neither confirm nor deny. But I, when I came out to feed the horse early the next morning, I was walking up, and this horse is now in a unique position. I had never seen it before in my life. It was killed over on its side like this, all fours, dead, with its tongue hanging out its mouth. Like this. And, I, and what had happened, maybe is that this horse had choked itself to death trying to get to this water, and it died for some reason. I don't know why, right? And, and so this is my grandfather's favorite horse. I, I'm thinking, man, I'm in trouble because I, I have old school parents, grandparents. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about, right? They, they don't sit there and put you through therapy. You got five seconds of therapy, and it started like this, right? Like, it, like they took me. I'm telling you, my grandfather, he, man, he had a mean backswing. So I, 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 remember, I remember I'm sitting there, and, and I didn't grow up in the best environments, okay? I didn't grow up in church. I, I grew up in a unique family setting. And, um, and so I thought, I watched one too many mafia movies, and I thought, what if I, you know what, if I burn the body, there's no evidence, and then I can just make up some story. I don't know where this horse is at. So I go and gather all the uh, gas I can. And yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, this is called the spirit of stupid. That's all this is, all right? I was nine. I was a dumb nine-year-old, all right? So I remember I'm sitting there looking at his body, and I'm dumping gas, and I get a little gas on it, and I light a match. Psh, whoosh, little fire comes up, right? And I'm like, Yes! Well, about a minute or two later, it goes out. And I'm thinking, this dumb horse. So I remember I take more gas, and I dump more gas all over this horse, right? And, I'm, and I light the match. Whoosh, an even bigger flame. It lasts for about five minutes. And I'm like, yes. And then all of a sudden, it goes out. I'm thinking, this stupid horse won't die again. You know, like, I, 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 don't, I don't get I don't know if you've burned a fresh body before. It'd be kind of weird if you have. Um, talk later. Pray through that. But, uh, I, I, I mean, it's still got all its fluids and everything in it. This is a true story. Some of you are going to get emails. You can send it to John Lamadou at church1132.com. Um, but I, 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 remember, I, I, I remember I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's it. I'm dumping all the gas. So I get all the gas. I get all the dry wood. I get all the newspaper, everything that is flammable that I can burn, and I stack it all over. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm ready, right? So I take all the gas, and I'm dumping everything. And I have enough sense that if I light this match, I'm going to blow myself up. So I, I dump all the gas, right, and I get a little line, and I come out just like this, right? And then I light the match, and whoosh, this big flame comes up. I'm telling you, huge 20-foot flame, could have been more, at least 700 feet, right? It was from, this is a preacher story all of a sudden. Um, you could, I'm telling you, I think you could have seen it from space. So I'm sure everybody was like, what was that? What was that? I'm telling you, like it was intense. Whoosh, this massive flame. And I'm like, yes, well, I forgot I was in the middle of a dry field because I'm smart. And so... I remember I'm looking around, I catch the field on fire. And then I'm turning around and I'm like, oh my gosh, we fit in the dice. So me and a couple of friends at this point are out there and I'm, I'm, we're stomping out, throwing dirt, everything we can, trying to throw water on it. Took us about 20 minutes, kept looking back throughout that 20 minutes to see if the, the, the fire's still going on, the horse is still going. And about 20 minutes into it, we, we turned, we finally got a hold and we were able to put out this field fire. When I turn back, I look and, air, like, the fire on the horse is gone. It's not even a horse. It's like a piece of meat. 
like, yeah, it's like a carcass. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, and I, I remember I, I'm looking at this horse, and I'm so mad. But then everything's all smoldering, you know, in smoke. And then all of a sudden, a figure of a man appears through the smoke. It ain't Jesus for all you spiritually weird people, okay? I'll tell you that right now. It's my grandfather, and he's holding a belt, all right? And he took my two-piece and turned it into a six-pack like that, all right? But I have found in doing 20 years of ministry, walking with the Lord for 21 years, I found that a lot of believers can behave like this horse sometimes, as they love to catch fire, but they don't know how to keep fire for some reason. They love to get lit, but they don't know how to stay lit. It's like they love the high moments. They love spiritual highs, but not spiritual consistency. And that's why sometimes presence over everything is the model for some seasons. And then something happens with the money or something happens with the job or something happens with marriage. And now it's everything over presence instead of presence over everything. And it's almost the equation of our life that storms can now dictate and disciple us on what we call on God for if we call on God for anything. And for whatever reason, we have forgotten that fire plays a role in the life of a believer. It plays a significant role. Allow me to journey with you through scripture to show you just some highlights of the role that fire plays. Did you know that fire is a part of God's nature? Fire is a part of God's nature. Look at Hebrews 12, verse, 12, uh, verse 29 in chapter 12 of Hebrews. It says, our God is a consuming what? Fire. Come on, church, he's a consuming what? Fire. Notice he doesn't have fire. He is fire. The Bible's very clear. God doesn't have love. First John says he is love. He doesn't have peace. He is our peace. He doesn't have joy. He is our joy. Are you following me? He doesn't have healing. He is our healing. He doesn't have righteousness. He is our righteousness. Are you following me? Everything you are in need of, he is that. I know that makes no sense, but that is, he, that's why we live, move, and have our being, everything through him. Our God is a consuming fire. In the book of Revelations, John, this is not John the Baptist, but John the Revelator says this, the hair describing Jesus, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire when his face shone like the sun in all of its brilliance. You know, John the, uh, John the Revelator is a Middle Eastern man used to a Middle Eastern sun. Now, my son and I, a couple of years back, we were in Dubai, and I remember feeling the heat of Dubai and noticing the sun is a lot hotter there and it's a lot brighter there. You couldn't go outside without glass. I mean, it was so intense. And I remember being out there and I'm thinking, man, this is what Bible uh, men and women in the scriptures probably experienced this sun. So when John is talking about the sun, he is referencing a Middle Eastern sun. And he's saying the, his face was like the sun, but his fire in his eyes was shining brighter than the sun. You ever looked at the sun and just had a brain lapse and you look at the sun and you kind of burn your corner and all that kind of stuff and you look around and everybody's glowing all of a sudden, right? I'm telling you, I, like, I got so many lights on me, I look up, I feel like I'm on cops. I mean, there's just so much. Like, there, like I'm telling you, there's, the, John is saying the fire he has for you and I is brighter than the sun. That ought to be a sign and wonder to us right there. Our God is a consuming fire. What about this? His word is like a fire. This is very serious, but I love what Jeremiah says. He says, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word in my heart is like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. In Luke 24, verse 32, two men are walking on the road to Emmaus, and it's just after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. 
And Jesus comes walking behind them, and they don't know that it's Jesus. And he says, what are you guys talking about? Because Jesus is overhearing them talking about all the recent events surrounding Jesus. And so he said, hey, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden, these guys, they guys are like, are you the only one in Israel that doesn't know? And, this, and Jesus, Jesus smooth. He's like, well, tell me, because he wants to hear in the culture report, right? And so he goes, and they start telling him everything that happened. Well, then Jesus takes over the conversation and starts opening up revelation to them. It says, from the law, the prophets, and to the present times. And then when they recognize it's Jesus, he disappears. Come on, he's smooth. This man is slick. He knows how to make an exit, right? And so he, he disappears from them. And then all of a sudden the men say this, did not his word burn within us when he spoke to us? Psalm 119, 105, what does it say? Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. What's a lamp? What's a light? It's a fire. Are you seeing this? I like what Jeremiah 23, 29 says, is not my word like a fire? His angels are like fire. Did you know this? Right? It says in Psalms uh, 104, verse 4, <clears throat> excuse me, Psalm 104, verse 4, it says, They make winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. In 2 Kings chapter 6, you'll find that Elisha is completely surrounded by the Syrian army, and he is not moved, he's not intimidated by anything, not even a whole army coming against him. Why? Because his, uh, a servant gets to see what he's seen. It says the servant's eyes open up and he seals, see, I'm sorry, he sees that the hillside and the mountaintops are full of chariots and horses of fire. Are you seeing this? His angels are like fire. Did you know his people should be on fire? Come on, let me get a better amen in this good church this morning. His people should be on fire. John 5.35 says, John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Man, there's so much to be said to that. Luke 12, 49, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I like one translation. It says, I, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and I'm distressed it's not already here. He says this in Luke 12, 35, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. This is the baptism of fire. My question to us this morning is, do we have this type of fire, or is our cell phone still brighter than our fire? Is our fear still brighter than our fire? Is our opinion still brighter than our fire? Is our finances still brighter than our fire? I don't want anything eclipsing my fire. I don't need a cup of cold water to put out this spiritual fire. What I need is the intensity of this fire, presence over everything to continue to grow and continue to compound and continue to build because what we are coming into is some of the greatest days. I'm not subscribing to the dark hour and the doomsday prophets. I'm not subscribing to any of that. I believe this is the greatest hour of the church. The church has always thrived in chaos. We, the light shines better in darkness anyway. Ways, and I believe that we're just getting started in this new era of ministry since the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we need is fresh fire, Amen. not stale fire, not synthetic fire, not fake fire. But I'm talking about a historic outpouring of God's presence. I'm talking about authentic fire. I'm talking about fire that restores people's minds. Fires that get rid of what doctors could never figure out. Fire that touches marriages that were on their way to divorce court and all of a sudden end up in restoration camp. I'm talking about fire that restores the dreams of your life or gives you back whatever was eaten away from you in the last two years. I'm talking about a fire that causes corrupt, 
causes corruption to be sabotaged and injustices to be torn down. I'm talking about exposing what needs to be exposed, healing what needs to be healed. God, we need your fire. I don't want just good hype. I don't want just good emotion. I don't want one-liners. You can have your illustrations. What I need is a blazing fire in my babies. I need it in my son. I need it in my daughter. I need it in me. I need it in my car. I need it when I wake up. I need to know that when this world is trying to cool me down that there's the spirit of God raising up a standard on the inside of me because I have a fire I'm not discouraged because I have fire I'm not depressed because I have fire I'm not outweighed or overwhelmed because I have fire I'm not outdone I'm not outlasted I'm not I'm telling I'm not even burned out because I have fire while others are falling I won't because I have fire while others are failing I won't because I have fire while others are giving up while others are quitting I will not because God has put his fire on the inside of me it's so important fire doesn't come in just the service Fire comes when you turn your bedroom into a prayer furnace. Fire comes when the living room means encounter. Fire comes when car rides are absolutely become revival centers because you're praying for more fire. We need fire. I, I don't, I, I like what, uh, what was it, uh, um, uh, who's the great revivalist from the Azusa Street, well, William J. Seymour. He said this, he said, Lord, dip me in your holy kerosene and set me on fire because I just want the world to watch me burn. I believe this is a spiritual sound that's going off. I'm not here to hide fire. I'm not here to just keep it for my family. I'm not here for just my family warmed around my spiritual fire. I want my neighbors to know there's a raging fire. I want my job and my coworkers to know I'm in a, in a fire. I want the storms to know you don't come over here because there's a blazing fire. I want people to know who don't even know me as I walk past them in the mall and the state fair. I'm telling you there's a fire telling you, I, I, I believe fire. People, you get around fire, it feels good. You ever been out hunting or camping, and all of a sudden you get around that fire, it feels a lot better than when you were in that deer blind. I kind of cheat, I bring a heater. <laughs> Which I almost set myself on fire, sitting right next to Pastor Dustin. Another, I'm telling you, I'm crazy. All right, I really did. He, he, and I didn't even know, he was like, dude, your leg's on fire. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. We need fire. One way or another, we're going to get it. God, give us your fire. You know, number one, let me give you three things being fueled for life. Number one, fire will transform you. Oh, it will transform you. It will absolutely rearrange everything. Fire over everything gives you your priority list. It gives you your purpose. It gives you your identity, your potential. It gives you everything, your promises, everything. But fire will transform you. I like what it says in Malachi, in Malachi chapter three, starting in verse two. I'll just paraphrase it. He's, he's saying he's gonna come in and he's gonna transform us. And he says he's gonna clean us with a launderer's soap and he's gonna purify us with a refiner's fire as a refiner purifies silver and gold. Now, I understand that when gold is found in its natural state, it is found as an alloy. It means it's a collection of metals. I'm gonna drop some science knowledge on you for just a second, all right? Um, and I, there's a lot to be said there. Anyways, and so uh, there's, a, there's a lot of metals that are attached to it. In order for you to get the highest value of that gold, you gotta remove all these impurities. So then you got to take it to a refiner. And a refiner has the right equipment, the right setup, the right everything to build a hot fire and then creates liquid fire, basically. And then they, before they put the gold in there, they have to put a separating agent called flux 
P-H-L-U-X. And this, this separating agent chemical can withstand the heat of the fire, but it won't be burned up itself. And once it's spread out evenly, then they take that alloy, the gold, the copper, the zinc, and the nickel, and they put it in. And once the fire hits the gold, he never takes his eyes off the gold. With every scoop, he's removing. He sees zinc separate, he puts it in a pile. Nickel separate, puts it in another pile. Copper in another, and he keeps it. With every scoop away, with every ladle, he knows that he's putting more value, and the value of the gold is increasing with everything he separates. I hope you're hearing me with spiritual hearing. And he know when he knows he's done, he's done when he can see his pure reflection in the gold. Let me help you out. God has put you in this church. In this time, in this, for such a time as this, in this season, he's put you in that marriage, he's put you in that family, and these are all elements that God can create a fire in. And then he brings a separating agent called his word, called the Holy Spirit, and he knows his job is to wedge himself in between what won't increase your value and what will increase your value. And when he finally separates it away, God comes and snatches it away and removes it as far as the east is from the west, so you never have to be that person. You never have to think like that. You don't have to be sick if you don't want to be. You don't have to be depressed if you don't want to be. Let God separate that from you, and then you know when he's done in your life, when you look just like Jesus in that area of your life, God we need your fire. We need to be separated. There's something about consecration. There's a message to be preached about holiness in this thing called presence over everything. There's something about being set apart and separated. I live in this world, but I don't belong in this world. I am of this world, but I am not in this world. I am anchored there, but I exist here. My faith is in his word, not in social media or news cycles or opinion polls or propaganda or culture wars. My faith is in a fire that is consumed and stood the test of time fire it'll transform everything whether you voted for it or not whether you liked it or not whether you asked for it or not he's a good God he's a fiery God he's the God who answers by fire when Moses encountered God for one of the very first times it was in a fire a burning bush of fire are you following me when he answered the Israelites to restore the nation he answered by fire Fire. Are you hearing me? When he restored the altars of our heart, he said, keep the altar on the, the fire on the altar burning. He said, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they said, and they looked like tongues of fire. Are you following me? Fire will transform you. We can't ask for presence and expect to stay the same. We can't ask for presence and expect for him not to touch everything. We can't ask for presence and expect everything to just go the way that we've always had it going. No fire will transform. For some reason, we don't like it. I, I get it. It's uncomfortable. It's stretching. It's like, God, you know, what if I'm used to something, ha having something in my life that you now want? Well, if it increases your value, I would just immediately surrender it. You know, a lot of people don't like the fire. I remember Pastor Dustin preached a message a few years ago, a powerful message, uh, um, and it was out of Acts 28 where Paul is taking a bushel of reeds and he puts it on a fire. And the viper comes out, remember, and bites himself on the arm. You know what Paul doesn't do? He doesn't do, he's not in 2021. He doesn't sit there and go, oh my God, pull out his iPhone 13. Oh my God, look at this. Can you believe it? Hashtag whatever. Hashtag whatever's trending on TikTok. What filter do I, he doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. What, what does he do? 
He takes the viper as it bites him and it throws it back in the fire. Why? Because what comes out of the fire should stay in the fire. Don't be afraid about what the fire exposes. Don't be afraid about what the fire touches. Because if it's touching it, it's not meant for you or it's had its day and let it burn up and let something fresh and new. God never takes something away that he doesn't replace with better. Come on, can I get a good amen this morning? Let me help you out too. You can't live off of other people's fire. I'm sorry, but you can't live off of Pastor Dustin's fire or Pastor Jamie's fire. You can't live off of other people's fire. In other words, you can't live off of YouTube and podcasts and 60-second clips. You can't live off of that. You have to get firsthand revelation because you got to hear it from him yourself. It's like that little girl, worry about yourself. You can't listen. I'm telling you, I'm trying to help a generation because we have a generation that loves to worship, but they love to worship worship. Let me help you out. If you know more... Uh, Maverick City and Bethel, then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you worship, worship. Are you following me? You're living off of somebody else's fire. Fire, fire will transform you. Here's the second thing. Fire changes everything. You can always tell when something's been on fire. You can always tell because it ceases to look like what it did before it got in the fire. You can always tell when a log's been on fire or when a tree's been struck by lightning. You can always tell when a paper's been on fire. I can tell. We can tell. You can tell when you've been on fire. You act different. You process different. Your decisions are navigated differently. You're, you're filtering everything different. You're not filtering through this lens or that lens, but through the word of God. You're filtering through his presence. Fire changes everything. Amen. Not one thing will it not change. It's the great purifier. It's the great test. In fact, all of our works, the Bible says, will be tested by fire. Some stay, uh, what is it, wood, uh, wood stay straw and hubble, uh, stubble, and then some with precious gems and metals. And what is, what is left is not what is burned away, but what was lasting, and it was all tested by fire. Here's the third thing. If we're going to be uh, fueled for life, number three, number three. How I get asked all the time, people are, I really believe this church is in a supernatural season. I can't get away from thinking about all that God has set you up for. I think one of the greatest things you could do right now is go back and listen to maybe the last 10 months of messages that were coming out of here from conferences, from gatherings, from men's meetings, from everything. Listen to those messages and how God built this moment. Because I guarantee you there's some things that, that you can eat again. There's some things that will make sense for this right now. But he was building intentionally. And where we are finite and we forget, we need to hear it again. That's what, the, you know, that's what it means to, to testify. And the original means do it again. Hear it again. I, I think a lot of people are always worried about how do I keep this because I don't want this just to be a moment or a season. How do I keep the presence over everything, my lifestyle and mindset? How, how do I keep fresh fire? Well, let, let me point your attention here to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. I, I think it's so important, especially in this, I didn't say this in the first service, but revelation comes from fire. I, I, you know, we're dangerously close to being just a church of good information and not revelation. And we could be satisfied without fire and never even know it. Let that not be us. Let there be more. How to keep it intensified this fire? Matthew 25 is pretty interesting. There's... Ten virgins. Now, this is a parable, all right? Parables are stories with spiritual meaning and application. So Jesus steps in his grandfather anointing. You ever get around your grandmother, your grandfather, and they, they could be talking about how to shave a cat, and it's like opening up revelation to you. 
Like, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the story of my marriage. You know, like, there's, there's something about the way they explain something. It's just like, okay, buying milk, now I get how to invest. I mean, there's some ways, it's just life experience. I call it the grandfather-grandma anointing. That's what it is. Jesus starts selling this story. And it seems wild at first, but then there's understanding at the end. He said, there's ten virgins. He said, five are foolish and five are wise, right? Five are dumb and five are smart. And he says, the foolish ones... They have an idea just like the, the wise ones. All ten of them know that the groom could come in the middle of the night. So what they do is they think, okay, if we're going to be able to see in the middle of the night, we've got to get a lamp. So the foolish ones go to a store and they buy a lamp. But that's all they buy. And then they go back home and they feel great. The wise ones, they go to the same store. They buy a lamp, except their, their, uh, their transaction is a lot different. They walk them and say, hey, how much is that lamp? They say, the lamp is this much. And they say, oh, okay, I need that lamp and as much oil as this will buy me. And they have sold everything. They've emptied out the 401Ks, got everything of value they put. They can monetize, put it on the counter. And then all of a sudden they say, give me one lamp and as much oil as this will buy me. And then sure enough, they go home and they're happy. Right? Well, in the parable, the groom comes in the middle of the night. The wise ones can't light their lamp because they didn't buy any oil. The wise, uh, I'm sorry, the foolish ones can't do that. But the wise ones, they can light their lamp. Because they bought a lamp and oil. Are you hearing this? Uh, and this is where the spiritual meaning comes. So then a conversation happens between the foolish ones who can't light their lamp and the wise ones who have no problem doing it. And the foolish ones say, hey, 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 give me, give me some of your oil. We need oil over here. We got an oil shortage over here. The oil problem is probably at the port in Los Angeles, but we still need it. We need oil over here. We need some oil. Right? And the wise ones, what are they saying? They're like, we can't. Because there may not be enough for you and us. They're like, nah, fam, we, we can't waste it. We can't waste it. Uh, hear me, we can't waste it. And then, they, and then they say, go and buy some for yourself. Now this statement irritated me. Because I'm like, this is obviously a spiritual transaction. So what spiritual currency buys oil? Let me put this in our world. Let's say that these virgins walk into Cabela's and the foolish ones are like, give me a lamp. Well, how much is that lamp? Do you take coupons? What about Amazon Prime? Can I put on layaway? Payment plan, right? They want a lamp. Okay, how much is the lamp? The lamp costs this much. Does it cost that much? Yeah, just that much. Nothing else? It doesn't cost anything else. Are you sure? It doesn't cost anything else. Okay, I'll take one lamp. And they go home. The wise, the, the wise ones walk in. They do the same thing again, but they give up everything. They, hold, they don't hold back pieces of their life. It's amazing to me how I could be in a service and I could watch two people answer the altar call and they have the same worship played over their life and they sing the same songs, they hear the same message, they answer the same altar call, they're in the same anointing, yet one leaves with oil and the other doesn't. And the only difference is because you can tell which one is burning and fire changes everything and this one over here doesn't give in to anyone. This one over here actually stops itself this one over here can only get to so far, which is why they constantly have to live more sacrifice motivated than obedience motivated. Because a life without fire is dead religion and you'll be sacrifice motivated. Thinking it pleases God, which is works. When you're obedience motivated, which is just caring for his heart. So then you have these two virgins, watch this. And this one buys oil and the other, sure enough, the groom comes in the middle of the night. Notice he comes when it's pitch dark, when you can't see. I believe God is visiting us in this hour because there's some true darkness on our land. And I'm not saying because it's October. 
I'm saying because I understand spiritual climates and seasons. Well, a little bit, maybe a little bit. But I really believe that you are going to shine so bright in this season because you are not just buying the lamp, you are buying oil. And the only way, there's only one currency to buy oil, one currency, and that's called surrender. Only one. You only get spiritual oil by yielding, submitting, letting go, giving up, stopping. I'm, I, I'm surrendering. God, this doesn't make sense, but I'm surrendering. I know everybody's telling me I should, I should be feeling pain, but I feel healed. I'm surrendered. I'm yielded. Everybody's, I should be offended, but I forgive them. I'm, are you following me? I'm submitted. I'm surrendered. You can buy the lamps all you want. But if for your love to not grow cold in the last days, you've got to buy oil. There's only one way. That's surrender. Would you stand up with me?